Good morning, and welcome to the Presbyterian Church on Edisto Island on this fourth Sunday of Advent. It is a joy to have all of you with us. Before we worship today, I have a few announcements. We love to welcome visitors, especially first-time visitors. For those, of, uh, for those who are here for the first time, uh, we, we have a small gift for you, and it is to help you to remember us and to share more about our church. If you will raise your hand, then we'll have an usher that will bring you your welcome bag. Anybody? Oh, we have one upstairs. One. Mm -hmm. Should you need it, a restroom is under the stairwell through the door in the corner. There are friendship registers in each pew that let us know of your presence here today, this morning. Please sign and pass along to your neighbors. If you're visiting today, there, there's a space for you to leave your contact information and we'll be in touch. The nursery is over in the ministry center and welcomes children ages six and under at any time during the service. If you haven't had your photo taken for our Directory, Bess Kellett, please see her and get your photo taken because we are trying to update the directory and have it published in the new year. Join us tonight for a drop-in at the manse, hosted by Reverend Sanders, thank you, and the Presbyterian women today at 4 to 7 p.m. And we hope that you will join us for Christmas Eve service this Saturday at 5 p.m., and then worship next Sunday at 10 a.m. Please check your flash email for more information and the, these and upcoming events. I was seeing if we had a new visitor. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for the Minute for Missions. Morning from the mission team. Each year during the Advent and Christmas season, we turn our eyes to Bethlehem and celebrate the wondrous gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior. God has blessed the church with incredible leadership, as we know only so well here at our church, in every place and time. But those leaders often need to be supported by their communities as well. The Christmas Joy Offering that we are collecting today through PCUSA addresses the support needed by some of our leaders, including leadership development for communities of color, support for Presbyterian-related schools and seminaries, and assisting retired pastors who are in financial crisis. When we all do a little, it adds up to a lot. I will be on the porch following worship with a basket if you'd like to contribute to this offering. There is also an opportunity to do so on our website. Thank you. Please stand with me in the call of worship you'll find in your bulletin. Look. A young woman is with child and, share, and shall bear a son. 
for we know that new life is coming. Let us hand, let your hand of blessing be upon him. He will be God with us. Please be seated and we'll bow together for an opening prayer. Eternal God, who comes to us in surprising ways, in angel appearances, in defeat of our enemies, and in resurrection from the dead, show us the face of Emmanuel in our time. Bring us from fear to all, and let us love as you love us. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen.
as you notice, we're neither the Robinsons nor the Ivy family. We are pinch hitting as Murray's and Brian's today. <clears throat> Over 100 people from the ages of 2 to 80 were asked this question. What makes you feel connected? What makes you feel loved? From the voices of different generations, hear their answers. Handwritten notes. Casseroles and family night suppers. Being invited and knowing you're welcome. A good conversation. Family walks and horseback rides with friends. Growing up on the island here and attending youth group. Surprise phone calls. Working alongside other people. Home-cooked meals. Belly laughs. Nice hugs. And an inside joke. Today, we light the candle of love as a reminder that from the very first generation, God has surrounded us with love. May this good news, these threads of love, and not only weave deeper connections between neighbors, but shape our actions and allow us to see God more clearly. In a lonely world, let this light shine bright. From generations to generations, we are held in God's love. Thanks be to God for that good news. Amen. Let us now stand together as we join in singing hymn number 11, O Lord, How Shall I Meet You?
please be seated. One of the greatest gifts and challenges of our faith is that we cannot be a Christian alone. We need one another. We need one another to love, and we need one another to see God more clearly. So together, let us lift our voices in unison. Let us lean into the ties that bind and pray to our merciful God together, saying, God of today and tomorrow, when Mary was pregnant and afraid, she ran to her cousin Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth threw open the door with joy and showered blessings upon her. How often do we have that same opportunity? How often do we leave the door locked, the curtains drawn, and the lights off? How often do we shower critique or judgment instead of blessings and joy? Gracious God, forgive us for our wrongs. We want to see you when we see our neighbor. Amen. Let us pray in silence. Amen. May we stand to hear these words of assurance. Friends, this is what I know. God delights in us. God throws open the door just like Elizabeth and says, come on home. There is room for you here. And in that moment, we are blessed. In that moment, we are forgiven. In that moment, we are seen, healed, and welcomed home. So rest in this good news. You are saved by grace. Let us respond together using the words from Mary's song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Amen.
You may be seated. Please bow. Please bow for the prayer of illumination. God of all, we are a mixed bag of, distract, of distracted and forlorn, eager and anxious. We hope that you might move through the obstacles courses that we build up around our hearts, made of questions and defenses, and douse us in good news. For at the end of the day, all we want is to know that we are not alone, that you are always near. So knock on our door, sweet talk the guard dog that we place in front of our vulnerable hearts and come right in, make yourself at home, pull us close and tell us your story of unbelievable good news. We are listening and we are grateful, amen. So now we have the Old Testament reading, Isaiah 7, 10 through 16. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol and high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to a test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look. The young woman is with child and shall bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. like to invite the children forward. Good morning. School's out, right? Yes. Awesome. So I was wondering, we just read a scripture from Isaiah. We've been reading through Isaiah from the Old Testament this Advent. And this passage talks about signs. Now, did you see any signs on your way to church this morning? You didn't see any signs? What sign did you see? A red sign. Red is normally a stop, right? So you might have seen some road signs, a stop sign, or a speed limit sign that gives us some direction on how to safely drive down the road. In the church, do we have signs in the church too? Yeah. You know what one of the most important signs is anywhere you go? The bathroom sign. Right? It's pretty important to know where that is. Yeah. But there's also different types of signs, too. And this Advent, we've been watching for those signs appear throughout these last couple of weeks. And we've talked about one of them. One of them is our Advent wreath, right? We've got Advent candles, and each Sunday we light another light. And it's a sign 
that there are four candles lit today. What does that sign tell us? When all four candles are lit, yeah? That's right, it's almost Christmas. There are no more Sundays between today and Christmas, right? Since our last Sunday of Advent, yeah. So in our scripture this morning, um, Ahaz doesn't want to ask for a sign. Ahaz is the king of Israel, and it's not going so well in Israel. In fact, they are under attack by some foreign armies, and Ahaz doesn't know how it's going to turn out, and he's a little worried, and the prophet Isaiah says, just ask for a sign. Maybe God will give you an idea that the time is getting close when all will be well, Ahaz says, I don't really want to ask for a sign. I don't want to weary God like that. I want to trust in God. And so Isaiah says, but God is going to give us a sign. And did you listen closely to what Miss Phyllis read? That sign comes in the form of this. What is the sign? Jesus, that's right. um, Isaiah says, a baby's going to be born. And that baby's going to know right from wrong. And before that baby even grows up, the world is going to change. Things are going to be really, really different. So look for that sign. Look for the sign of the baby about to be born. Now, I wonder, during this season of Advent, what sign are we waiting for? It's not a trick question. Yeah? answer is always Jesus. That's right. We're waiting for that same baby. And that baby was actually born a long time ago, but at Christmas every year, that baby is born anew in our hearts, right? And we remember that that baby is going to change the world. Just like Ahaz was waiting for something good to happen, we're still waiting for that baby to be born in us, in our hearts, and through us. God is going to do great things to change the world, right? It's a really, really exciting time. And I hope that you have a wonderful week of vacation from school as we finish this time and getting ready to see that sign together, okay? Merry Christmas. Let's have a prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for the signs that you give us that point us in the right direction. Help us to once again receive the sign of the birth of your son, Jesus, as we receive him once again into our hearts. We pray. Amen. Thank you very much. You can return to your pew.
giving our attention now to the New Testament text, turning to Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 39 through 58. Listen again for God's word. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowly state of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Indeed, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has come to the aid of his child Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he has made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Amen. During the first Sunday of Advent, we introduced our seasonal theme this year, which is from generation to generation, the text which comes from the passage that I just read, and a little bit of information has appeared at the top of your bulletin each Sunday. As we read these familiar stories of the Advent and Christmas season, they become like branches in our family tree, connecting even us to the genealogy of Christ and connecting us really to one another. Then for Advent 2 and 3, we looked respectively at Mary and Joseph's individual stories found in Luke and Matthew, and their personal encounters with the angel of the Lord. We embraced the angel's words of comfort. Do not fear. Even as we trembled in expectation of Mary and Joseph's words and decisions and actions, their commitment to be a part of this unfolding story. Today we follow that chronology and find Mary making haste to her cousin Elizabeth's house, and the story broadens. 
It moves from only the two, Mary and Joseph, who know of the coming Messiah, to being shared and treasured within the bonds of relationship. The sub-theme for today is we see God in each other. And I think Mary and Elizabeth portray a beautiful picture of both connection and blessing as the Spirit moves between them. They see the divine in each other. And the way that we see the divine in one another impacts how we live and move in the world. When we view every human being as a child of God filled with the Holy Spirit, we begin to generate a new world. Let us pray. With all my heart, I glorify you, O Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God, my Savior. God has looked with favor upon his servants. Holy is the Lord. God shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next. God has shown strength, scattering those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations and pulling the powerful down from their thrones to lift up the lowly. God fills those who are hungry with good things and sends the greedy away empty-handed. God has swiftly come to the aid of humanity, showing us mercy time and time again. Our hearts are open, Lord. Amen. So we hear this part of the Advent and Christmas story every year, usually on this last Sunday of Advent. It's the greeting of two cousins, which makes sense. We're all getting ready to get together with family if that's your plan for Christmas. These words are meaningful, and of course Mary's words are some of the most powerful words that we find in Scripture, certainly some of the most radical. But before we jump right back into this story, I want to pause to consider not their connection first, but the chasm that would have been between these two women. I guess first we should begin by acknowledging that by age, they weren't both women. At least Mary wasn't. Mary was a girl or at best, a teenager. We know from earlier in chapter 1 of Luke's gospel that Mary was engaged to Joseph, but they were not yet married. Have you ever wondered why that is? Or why their reason for an engagement period at all? Today, it's a normal part of our customs and tradition We use the time of engagement as a special time of preparation and planning. We take special note to attend premarital counseling and plan for the upcoming festivities. Many couples also use this time to further get to know one another or form those special connections between their two families. But this wouldn't have been the case 
in ancient Israel. Most marriages were arranged. Couples often married one another without even meeting or knowing one another, so forget premarital counseling. And not every couple even had an engagement period. Women and men were betrothed, a contract or a relationship that was as binding as marriage, usually because the bride was not yet of age. Putting it bluntly, Mary couldn't have children yet. She was young. So the official wedding would have taken place at the bride's first sign of her fertility. Nowhere in scripture does it say Mary's age. But her designation as Joseph's betrothed identifies her as very young. Scholars and historians studying this time and place have suggested that she may have been as young as 10 or 11 years old and probably no older than 14. Mary was just a girl. Elizabeth is also not identified by her age, but by her stage in life. When the angel Gabriel visits Elizabeth's husband, Zechariah, to tell him of her pregnancy, Zechariah is absolutely incredulous because he says, how can this be? For she is a woman of old age. While Mary awaits her cycle to begin, Elizabeth's has ended. There's likely at least 40 years or more between these two cousins. Further, the women in the ancient Near East, for women in the ancient Near East, the inability to have children, we talked about this in our Bible study on women of the Old Testament, that for them was a fate worse than death. A woman's value in this time and place hinged upon her ability to have children, which is why scripture often relegates women who are barren, like Elizabeth or Hannah, or women who are widows, relegates them to the fringe of society. Now, I am so grateful that our society today has come a long way and we're no longer marrying off young girls or disparaging any woman for any reproductive issues whatsoever. But I bring these topics up today because it helps us understand that before their pregnancies, Mary and Elizabeth would have been in two completely separate worlds within their society. Mary, who was budding with future life, and Elizabeth, who was probably more or less forgotten. And now they both find themselves in unconventional situations. Mary pregnant before she is married or even able to have children, and Elizabeth, who was once devalued, now showing signs of redemption, even though she is unable to have children. And this puts them both in very vulnerable positions. We don't know why Mary came to see Elizabeth. Again, the two would have been circling in separate societies. 
But we do know the one thing that tied them together is their family relationship. They were family cousins, we learn. Some scholars assume that Mary's mother must have already passed away, and so she might be seeking out Elizabeth for that motherly role. Scripture seems to suggest that the Holy Spirit plays a role here, not visibly like with the angel Gabriel, but working within and through their lives to bring them together in this special way. After all, Luke tells us that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and blessed Mary upon her arrival. In our Advent devotion, if you've read ahead this week like I tend to do, it suggests that they find themselves at what she calls a threshold moment. And I really liked that image because not only has Mary just arrived at Elizabeth's house and they're standing right there in the doorway in the threshold, both of these women also stand at the precipice of something new, something exciting, and something probably pretty terrifying. They're sharing very little in common other than the blood that's running through their veins. They greet one another and filled with the Holy Spirit, they embark on a new story. The devotional says that birthing together transformation, they are birthing together transformation, grounded in one another's courage and steadfastness. Hang on to that image for just a minute. We've made it to the final week of Advent, the final week of waiting, and let's face it, we're not really that good at waiting in our society, but here we are. The kids are already out of school. I checked, it is too late to order anything else on Amazon in order for it to arrive on time. We're winding up this season's parties and festivities. I'm sure you've been to plenty already, but I asked you to come to just one more this afternoon at the manse. I know the women have prepared a tremendous amount of delicious food. But at this point, we're ready to settle into this final piece of the story, which I promise we'll gather and hear together in less than a week. But before we do, before we give up on these final days of holy waiting, we have this story, this story that teaches us to see God in each other before we greet God in the flesh. I was just this weekend texting with my college girlfriends. We text one another regularly because we don't live close and we share information and photos of our families, but largely I admit we text one another to vent. We share with one another things about our lives and experiences that we wouldn't necessarily share with others because we might be embarrassed or we might feel judged. But after 20 years or more of friendship, we can pretty much say anything to each other. And in our text message this weekend, I had one of those surprised, not surprised moments. As each of us shared how extremely 
stressed we are right now and how trying these last couple weeks have been. When we get this far into the season, arriving at Advent 4, we have come through most of this gauntlet that we pleasantly call the holidays. You know, for many of us, work heightens at this time of year. There's more to do as we try to accomplish everything before the year's end. Children have these additional school spirit wear days. I don't know who thought this was a good idea because we have to have them dressed in special outfits that they don't sell here on Edisto Island. (laughs) There are additional holiday performances that have us out late for practices and plays. And the work-life balance that is usually delicate, if not non-existent, well, it expands to include Christmas shopping and last-minute additions to the Santa wish list. It includes special events and, yes, parties and also those command family expectations. And this is just our experience. I'm only speaking from myself right now. But I know that the gauntlet for others includes intense grief. Sadness sinks into these festive days. It can include feelings of lament as families try to figure out how to make those dollars stretch, but know that their children, they won't have a Christmas tree full of presents like their classmates might. We see conflict escalate within families as they get ready to gather. And we see those who are lonely sink deeper into loneliness. Let's face it, emotions are more raw by the time we get to this point in our celebration. And while we sing, it's a most wonderful time of the year and we yearn for that to be true, it's just not always our experience. So we come today to worship to center ourselves again and to wait with pregnant expectation for the one who is promised that is going to heal the ills of the world. We come and the gift that we get today is Luke 1, 39 through 58. It's narrative, it's story, and it's poetry. We might be tempted to pass over it quickly and get to the good stuff in chapter 2, but then we'd miss this small story about genuine connection between a girl and a woman of two different generations and two entirely different settings. I think when I read this story again that in this story we find that God gives to Mary and to Elizabeth two things that they were lacking. God gives them community, and God gives them connection. And they find that in one another. The spirit that dwells within them brings them together. Even as the child leaps in her womb, Elizabeth, unfazed, declares that Mary's presence alone has brought her the greatest joy 
Mary listens, and in hearing Elizabeth's description of her, she's emboldened to proclaim some of the most radical words of the gospel. In each other, they experience the presence of God, and they seem to understand themselves more fully as part of something larger, something bigger than just their individual stories. Both of them in their encounter see God at work and are able to name that here in this text. And in this moment, they experience the divine in one another, the spirit that is connecting them, a connection that's even stronger than their family ties. From generation to generation, we can see how God is at work in our relationships, bringing about connection and community. And that connection and that community, it can comfort us. But like in this text, it can also empower us. I wonder how many Marys and Elizabeths who are circling in separate societies are really just waiting to meet and have an opportunity to connect. How many of us are awaiting an opportunity in general to connect more deeply? Or how many of us long to connect our small story with the larger story of God? Being linked, being God's children, does tie us together as family, much like Mary and Elizabeth. And maybe we are from different generations. Maybe we all circle in different groups or champion different causes or support different ideals or value different things. But our common denominator is that in us is God's spirit. God with us. And when we begin to see God in each other as Mary and Elizabeth did, it changes us. And it moves us from our human-sized story to the grand and history-changing story of the upcoming birth of Emmanuel. God who will dwell with each and every one of us will not only continue to connect us and those we greet and joy, but will encourage us to work for those that we don't even know yet to bring about God's true presence and connection, to bring about God's presence in all those corners of the world where we find darkness, to shine light in the face of fear or despair, and offer mercy to each and every person on the earth. That's what Mary says. That's what God who dwells with us will do. In effect, when we see God in each other, we will not only declare, but we will live out Mary's powerful words, praising God and working for God's goodness as our souls magnify the Lord. We've got just less than one week of waiting to do. But as we wait, let this story take root don't pass it by or let the holiday gauntlet drown it out. We are made for connection 
and community. And when we see God in each other, we live more fully into that blessing. May it be so. Amen. May we stand together as we affirm our faith. We believe that creation is inextricably linked. We belong to one another in an undeniable way. We are bone of bone and flesh of flesh, life breathed into dust. We believe that God invites us to live into that truth to love without abandon, to see the good in one another, to trust that all belong to God. We know that this life of connection is easier said than done, which is why we gather in this space week after week, generation after generation, to be reminded we see God in each other. This we believe. Amen. Please be seated. May you bow and join me in prayer. God of yesterday and God of tomorrow, from the very beginning you gave us the gift of relationships. From the very beginning you tucked us into communities. From the very beginning you wired us for connection. From the very beginning, you made our hearts capable of love. Thank you. This gift of relationship has led us to people who lead us to you, and we are better for it. So today, we want to say thank you for our Elizabeths, for the people who have thrown open the doors for us, who revel in our joy, who point out your presence in our lives, and who are quick to affirm us and call us blessed. Those people come in many shapes and sizes. For some of us, the Elizabeths in our lives, our family members, parents, and grandparents who have cheered us along the way. For others, it's teachers and coaches, neighbors or scout leaders, professors and counselors are just a few that come to mind. And we can't forget the way our chosen family, our friends and our partners have been like Elizabeth for us as well. These people have reminded us what it looks like to love in a hurting world. And that always points us back to you. So today, God, we ask for your help in opening our eyes even more. We want to see you. We want to see you in those who love us so well and in those who don't. We want to see you in those who know us so well that they have our coffee order memorized as well as those with whom we've never spoken to. We want to see you not only in those who are family, who look like us or think like us, but also in those who come from very different places and positions in life. From generation to generation, you have left your fingerprints on all of creation. 
Help us to be like Elizabeth, to see and celebrate glimmers of your good news in all walks of life. With hope, now we pray in those words that you have given us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue to worship God as we give from the generosity of our hearts.
gracious God, you have restored us in body and soul. You have given us abundant life, more than we could have imagined. And you have promised us your Son. Holy One, bless now the offerings of our hearts and lives, that we might share your blessings with others. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 36 in the bleak midwinter.
Friends, as you go from this place, go knowing that from generation to generation, you have been claimed and loved. From generation to generation, God has been by your side. From generation to generation, we are not alone. The God of yesterday and the God of tomorrow knows you by name, loves you, and calls you forth saying, go and be the person you are called to be. Love wildly, do justice, and come back soon. Amen.